some of you know this, uh, maybe most of you know this, but last week my wife had a special birthday. And it's not polite to talk about a woman's age, so I shouldn't mention that she was 50. And I won't do that, partly because I know if I did that, some of you would come to me afterwards and say, Matt, how did you manage to marry someone who's 15 years older than you are? Uh, you know, because I kind of, it's the way I look. But so I'm not going to say anything about my we wife's age. That, no, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> but I will say um, that to celebrate uh, this. Uh, this special birthday, Ros decided to have a party in a park, in a national park that is uh, just up in the hills behind our house. And she invited a bunch of our family and friends into this national park. And it was a good day. About 20 minutes after the party had started, I got a phone call from an old dear friend of ours, uh, a lady in her 70s, and she was supposed to be at the party, but she was lost. Uh, she had put the National Park into her GPS in the car, but it's a huge National Park, and her car, uh, the GPS in her car had taken her to some complete other part of the park. And, in fact, it had been doing this continually, she said, for the last half an hour. She'd been going to one place and deciding this wasn't the place and trying to plug in some other part in the park, and she'd just been driving around and around the edge of the park in every different direction, and... She eventually rang me in total frustration saying, I know you're in this park somewhere, but I've got no idea how to find you. Fortunately, the roads around this national park are the roads that I ride my bike on almost every day. And so I know every one of the roads that she'd been on and that she needed to go on. I knew exactly where she was. I could ask her, you know, what could she see out the window? And I worked out exactly where she was and I knew exactly where she had to go and how she had to drive in order to get to where we were. And so for the next 15 minutes, I was her GPS on the phone. Uh, she put the phone uh, on speaker on the seat of her car and I literally liked the little GPS voice. I would tell her, okay, you're going to drive about a kilometre and then you're going to turn left. Uh, there's going to be a big tree on the corner of the intersection. That's the right intersection. You turn left there and... And, you know, then we're going to drive a couple of kilometres. The road's going to start to go up a hill. And um, she finally got to the party, um, a little frustrated that she was so late, but relieved that she was finally there. But she said something really interesting to me when she arrived at the party. She said that she knew she was on the right track. She knew I was giving her the right directions when the landmarks along the way that I was giving her started to appear on the side of the road. Because she'd been driving for half an hour with directions, right? She'd had a voice saying, turn left here and then drive a kilometre and turn right there. But they weren't the right directions. It wasn't until, she said, until someone said, you should see this on the left-hand side of the road. And then you drive a bit further and you should see that on the right-hand side of the road. Then she said she knew she was heading in the right direction. We're in the second week of a series that we're calling On Purpose, where we're looking at who we are uh, and where we're going as a church, as a community, as Tide Church. And last week we talked about our destination. We talked about where we believe God's calling us, where we believe we're headed, where we want to head 
as a church. We looked at what Jesus said about the purpose and the mission of the church. And we summarized that mission and that purpose for ourselves in this statement. We said that we will be people, people who are devoted to Jesus, living our lives following Jesus' example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. And we're going to start sticking that statement up around wherever we can. That's where we're trying to head as a church. That's our destination, if you like, as a church. But today I want to ask the question, how will we know if we're on track to get there? How will we know if we're headed in the right direction to reach our destination? How will we know if we're on the right track? How will we know if we're getting closer to our destination? I mean, what does the route look like? What are the landmarks that we should see on the side of the road along the way to tell us that we're headed in the right direction? What are the things that we should be doing as a church, if you like, that will help us get from here to there? What does it look like for a church when it's on track to that kind of destination? I guess you could say it another way. What does a church look like when it's following Jesus' teaching? Luckily, we don't have to guess about the answer to that question. Because when Luke sat down about 25 years after the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, when he sat down, when he did a whole stack of research and sat down to write a biography of the life of Jesus, and then to write the history of the early church, what had happened in the church from the time of Jesus up to, uh, up to the point that Luke was alive. He included in that biography and in that history of the early church, he included a description of exactly what that first church was like. We read in our Bibles, it's in Acts chapter 2, right at the very beginning of the history of the church. Acts 2, and I'm going to start reading from verse 42. This is what Luke writes. They devoted themselves, to, this is talking about the early church, the first Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. Uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. Luke wasn't there. This is what he learned. This is what he discovered by listening to and asking other people. This is what he discovered the first church was like. And I want to tell you, I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, I love this description of the church. There's so much in these verses. Honestly, like I could just read that. We could just talk about that for, for weeks on it. I just love that description of the early church. But what does it mean for us? Because let's face it, the early church lived a long time ago from us. It was a, a really different church, a really different people. They lived in a different time and in a different place. They had different customs. 
They lived different lifestyles. Technology was totally different. Um, the, the political system and, and all of that stuff was totally different. Almost everything about their life and their world was different to our life and our world. So what do we take from that description? You know, when everything's so different, what can we pull out of that description of the early church? What can we pull out from there that can guide us as a 21st century church in Australia, that can guide us on our journey to live out our mission and our purpose to follow Jesus? And the leadership team, the leadership group of this church, which is a small group of us, we've been sitting with this question for over six months. We've been praying about this and reading about this and thinking about this and talking about this. And I want to share with you today three, what I think, three really important things that we can learn from Luke's description of the early church. For us, these are, if you like, three landmarks that we should see along the journey. Along, along our way toward our goal to be people who are devoted to Jesus, living our lives, following Jesus, example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. These are three signposts or landmarks, right, that we should see along the way. You should expect to see these on our journeys. Uh, and I guess another way to say it is these are the things that we hope and pray will become sort of the heart and soul of this church. We are committed to doing these things and being these things at Tide Church. They are these three things. We will provide an opportunity for people to experience Jesus through worship, communion and community. Second thing is we will focus on clear, practical Bible teaching. And third thing is we will empower people to serve our community and the world. I'm actually really excited about those things. Um, I really, I'm really excited to tell you that's where we're headed. Um, and today is really about saying that if you will journey with us, if you will join us on the journey, this is where we're headed. Let me unpack each one of those uh, for a bit. First thing is we will provide an opportunity for people to experience Jesus through worship, communion and community. The early church was totally focused on Jesus. And that might sound a bit obvious to say, that might sound a bit like, duh, well, they're a church. But I want to tell you, and some of you know this, um, that it's really easy for churches to get distracted and focus on a whole bunch of other things. It's so easy for churches to get so distracted, so caught up in doing church, that they forget what they're there for in the first place. As uh, the old um, management guru Stephen Covey used to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and for us as a church, the main thing is Jesus. The main thing is Jesus. And I guess we want to just expand that a little and say, um, more specifically, the main thing for us in church here is for people to experience Jesus. Because we believe that following Jesus is not just about what you believe. It's about more than what you think. I mean, did you notice the language that Luke used when he described the early church? He said they devoted themselves. 
He said everyone was filled with awe. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. He said they praised God. Their faith wasn't a list of things they just believed, right? There was something that affected them on the inside. There was something that... There was something about Jesus, there was something about their faith that changed them on the inside. Paul, who was a key leader in the early church, he described his personal faith this way. He said, and this is in Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse 8. Paul said, I consider everything, right? And what he means by that is everything I own, everything I do, all my dreams, my family, all this. He said, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. That's kind of Bible talk to say, I consider everything else, everything else is worth nothing compared to knowing Jesus. He goes on, he says, I consider them garbage. I consider them garbage. Everything else, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. A verse or two later, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection. Can you hear Paul's like, can you hear his passion and his commitment in that? This wasn't something that Paul just believed. Do you know what I mean? This, this faith, this just wasn't an idea. This wasn't just some things that he thought about or believed. This was something that he knew. This was something that was like deep down inside him. This affected who he was like from the inside out. Does that make sense? Paul's faith came from an experience, an experience that changed him on the inside. And I'm saying as openly and as clearly as I can, we want that kind of experience of Jesus for every person who comes to Tide Church and is a part of this community. We want our worship songs to be more than entertainment. We want communion to be more than a snack, right? We want our community time to be more than we're just sort of catching up with friends. We want to provide space and an opportunity for people to experience the wonder of a personal relationship with Jesus, a deeply personal relationship with Jesus, a place where people can know his love, where they can be overwhelmed by his grace and where they can experience just as Paul said he wanted where they can experience the power of his resurrection now I can't explain to you how that stuff happens and I can't give you a magic formula you know some special prayer or something you can say and and it will just magically happen like that but this is what I can tell you we will throw ourselves into worship in this place in a way that we, we don't care who's watching, we don't care what it sounds like or what it looks like. This isn't a performance. Our worship is an opportunity to throw ourselves into an experience with Jesus. We want our worship to be a place where people can experience Jesus. We will share communion regularly, not in a way that's not in a kind of religious tradition and tick a box. You know, we have to do it once a month, it's the third Sunday of the month, so you know, tick the box, we've done communion. We want communion to be an opportunity where all of us, where people in this place can sit with the reality of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Communion is an opportunity to talk and to listen 
to Jesus. Communion is an opportunity to experience Jesus. And we'll make space to share together as a community over a cup of tea and coffee before worship starts and to share and to pray after the message as we talk about what we've learned and what God's speaking to us. I encourage you to stay connected to others during the week, not, not because we're trying to catch up with friends, but because there's something magical. that The writers of the New Testament describe it as when we are together, we are the body of Christ. Right? It means there's something about Jesus. There's a, there's a, a physical, there's a manifestation is the word. There's, there's something about Jesus that we can experience when we're together that we cannot experience alone. No matter how brilliant your Bible reading is and how amazing your prayer is, there is something that happens when a group of believers get together that cannot happen alone. And our community time, our space as a community together, is an opportunity to experience Jesus in that way. So our hope is that you will see those three things, that those, that those, that those things will become like signposts or landmarks on the side of the road. When you see those things happening, when you see worship and communion and community happening like that, it will tell you that we're headed in the right direction. We'll provide an opportunity for people to experience Jesus through worship, communion, and community. Secondly, we will commit to focusing on clear, practical Bible teaching. You all know this, but we live in an age flooded with information. We have websites and podcasts and blogs and YouTubers, and there are Instagram and TikTok accounts that we can follow. There are Facebook pages. Uh, there are motivational speakers. I'm told that there are some people that still read newspapers and buy magazines. <laughs> and as the saying goes, content is king. You know, people with opinions are now called influencers. They have followers. They're like mini celebrities, you know. And I'm not knocking that. I mean, but what I'm saying is the reality is the church can become like just another content channel for us. Church can become like just another information channel. Tide or, 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 or you know, me. We can just become just another voice that's speaking amongst all sorts of voices into our lives. I mean, I guess if things go really well, I could be an influencer. I'm joking. Here's the point. When Luke sat down to describe the first church, the very first thing he wrote is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They weren't following the apostles. They were following the teaching of the apostles who were teaching them what Jesus had taught them. They were following the teaching of Jesus how to follow Jesus that was being passed on to them by the apostles. When Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians, uh, they were sort of asking him some questions about his message and, and you know, what he was talking about. And he actually took time to describe the way that he preached, the way that he taught, uh, the way that he shared messages with them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what he says at the beginning of the chapter from verse 1. 
He said, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved, I determined, I was certain, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. A couple of verses later, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I want to say publicly, I'm with Paul. Right, I'm with Paul. I'm not interested in being cool or popular or famous or being an influencer or anything like that. My only goal and our only goal as a church is to teach you and to teach all of us who Jesus is and to teach us how we should live our lives in following his example and his teaching. And so our goal when we gather, our goal for me and for our church when I speak and when we speak in this place is to be simple and clear and as practical as we can. And I'm not saying this to say that, well, you know, I'm right and others are wrong or, uh, you know, that this teaching's good and that teaching's bad. It's not about that. I'm just saying this is what we're doing here. This is how we read and understand the teaching of Jesus and the life of the early church. And I'm saying we want to continue that tradition. We want to continue that kind of teaching in this place. It's another landmark that you should see on the side of the road toward our destination. You, we will focus on clear, practical Bible teaching. And thirdly, we commit that we will empower people to serve our community and the world. When Luke researched the history of the start of the church, there was something that stuck out to him. I don't know if it stuck out to you. It certainly does to me when I read that description of the church. There's a line in there that almost reads like it doesn't quite belong. It's not sort of Bible kind of talk. But Luke wrote, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Serving and giving and putting others first was a core part of the early church. It was a core part of the early church because they learned this directly from Jesus. It was one of the final moments that he had with Jesus, he and the other disciples had with Jesus. They just shared a meal together and he wrote this. He said, Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. It's like saying he took off his jacket and his jumper. Took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist and after that, he poured water into his basin, into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus and his followers spent their lives on dusty, dirty roads, covered in animal poop and goodness knows what, dressed in sandals. Washing someone's feet was the worst job that anyone ever had to do. And it was always a job that was left to the lowest or the least of all the servants. You knew if you were the lowest person in the pecking order in a room because it would be your job to wash everyone else's feet. 
So I don't know in your house, what's the worst job in your house? You know, is it, is it cleaning the toilets? Is it taking out the rubbish? Is it changing nappies? Whatever the worst job is in your house, right? That was washing someone's feet in the time of Jesus. And Jesus took that place of the lowest servant. He went and deliberately put himself in that place of the lowest person in the room and he washed their feet. John goes on to say that when Jesus had finished, he stood up and he said, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, you know, the one who should be sort of up here, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. A verse or two later, uh, John 13, verse 17. Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, serving isn't about getting on a roster at church. And giving isn't about putting a few dollars in a charity tin as you walk past it in the mall. I mean, it, it can be those things, but it's designed to be so much more. And in this church, we want to inspire and empower people to live lives that put others first. Lives that are courageously loving. Lives that are radically generous. Lives that are unusually kind. Because that's how the first church lived. And we're making no apology that that's how we want to live. That's how we intend to live as a church here. We will empower people to serve our community and our world. We've said it a number of times that our destination is clear. We want to be people who are devoted to Jesus, living our lives, following Jesus' example and teaching, wherever we are, no matter the cost. And we believe that this is the road to get there. We'll provide an opportunity for people to experience Jesus through worship, communion and community. We'll focus on clear, practical Bible teaching. And we will empower people to serve our community and the world. This is where we're headed, friends. If you come on the journey with us, these are the things that you can expect to see on the side of the road along the way. And we'll make mistakes, we'll take wrong turns, but these are the things, these are the commitments that will tell us we're kind of on the wrong track and will get us back on the right track. Does that make sense? These things will direct our planning. They will shape our weekly gatherings. Uh, they will determine what we talk about. They will guide what we do. And if you can't tell, I am really excited about the road that is ahead of us. And I'm praying that there's something in you stirring that is excited about this sort of direction too. Because the truth is, we're here today because a handful of people who were that early church they shared their experiences with people around them. They invited those people to join the community. Not to join as observers or you know, people kind of hanging around, 
but as partners. In fact, the word that is used a lot in the New Testament is co-workers. They invited these people to join as co-workers. And then those people had their own personal experience of Jesus. They got changed from the inside out. Those people sat down and listened to the teaching. They learned who Jesus was and how to follow Jesus. And then those people went out into the world to serve their community and the world. And those people then invited other people to come into their community. And then those other people came in and joined the community and so on and so on. And friends, that's how we got to be here today. Honestly, for hundreds of years and thousands of years, that's how the church has grown. That's how we're here today. Because someone said to us, come and experience. Come and check out this community. But it began with a core group who were committed to living this kind of life, who were committed to being this kind of church. That kind of church, that Acts 2 kind of church that Luke would research and write and he said, this is what they looked like when they began. We want to continue their work. We want to continue to be a part of that kind of church tradition, that kind of community. And unapologetically, I'm saying today, we are actively looking for people who want to partner with us on the journey. We are actively looking for, as the New Testament says, for co-workers. People who would join us and live this life on purpose. And that's what this series is about. That's the invitation of this series. Will you join us? Will you partner with us? Will you help us change the world with the good news of Jesus? 